We've talked about natural family planning and fertility awareness, but have you ever heard of body literacy? In today's episode, we sit down with Christina Valenzuela from Pearl and Thistle to talk about lifelong body literacy for women, what it is, why it's important, and how this is helping women in all seasons of life. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Welcome back to another episode. We're at the uh, in-office edition of Life Beyond the Chariot, um, and we are really excited today to be joined by Christina Valenzuela from Pearl and Thistle, talking about one of our favorite topics uh, today. Um, I think y'all know by this point we like to nerd out on NFT and things like that. Um, But we wanted to expand that conversation um, beyond just engaged couples and married couples and really talk about body literacy for women. But before we dive in, Christina, can you introduce yourself and your ministry? Yeah, thanks, Tiana. And thank you, Mickey, for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation today. So my name is Christina Valenzuela. I own a business called Pearl and Thistle, where I offer uh, cycle education and NFP for Catholics of all ages and stages. That's kind of the new tagline that we're trying out. Um, So it's my place where I'm kind of developing a lifelong body literacy model that I hope to expand in the church. And I think that's what we're going to focus on today, really, is talking about what that model is and why it might be important. Yeah, yeah. So we we talked a lot in the past. I know you and I have a video somewhere on the St. Philip Institute YouTube channel where we talked a little bit about cycle prep and um, some of the things that you were doing a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes when people think about NFP or natural family planning or fertility awareness, it's a very narrow group. Um, where we really just focus on people in the season of marriage. But I really like this term body literacy. And I I think I've heard it from you first. I think you've been, you've really accelerated that in the Catholic world. Um, but when we talk about body literacy, what are we talking about? Yeah. So body literacy is kind of a borrowed term from more like a secular uh, fertility awareness group. Um, And it's in a narrow sense used to just describe how we learn to observe and understand and respond to the cues of our menstrual cycle specifically. But when I saw that, I have a background in theology of the body. And I was like, this little light went off in my head. And I was like, this is the language of the body, right? Body literacy is learning how to read the language of the body. And I started getting all tingles and like JP2, there's something going on here. Um, So it can keep that narrower definition in some ways of like women learning to read what's going on through their menstrual cycle. But I think that as Catholics, it's imperative for us to not let it stay there, to expand the conversation to what this actually tells us about the language written into our body as women and what this can mean for our experience as embodied females who are made in the image of God. No, that's great. Um, I know later we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about what you're doing for teen, 
preteen girls and all that kind of thing. And I've been working with my daughter. And so when I first started reading your material and you talked about body literacy and you talk about really appreciating, you go back to like, if your body is doing these things, that means it's healthy. It is doing Mm -hmm. exactly what God has created it to do. Mm -hmm. And that was like the first time it really just hit me like to hear that what is going on is how God created you and embracing that and learning that uh, was just, I mean, it just put a, like a light in my mind, like this is great. And maybe I've heard it before, but now that I'm teaching my daughter and really want her to um, love how God created her, it had a special importance or I packed a bigger punch than normal. So I love, and like Deanna, the, when I read your stuff, it was the first time I've heard of body literacy. And I'm like, this is brilliant. And maybe, I don't know, someone else has talked about it before, but um, I love that you're bringing that to the forefront. And like, this is learning how God has created us. There's a language to our body and who we are as women and learning more about that strengthens all relationships, our relationship with God, ourselves, um, friendship. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just so, so good. Well, and hopefully our relationship with our daughters too, right? I think there's so much, it's very common today to talk about like generational trauma and all of these healing things that need to happen and like shifting our mindsets. And I, I think that for a lot of women, I'm just, I'm going to speak for myself and kind of extrapolate, but like we weren't raised in a culture necessarily that extolled the virtues and the beauty of the body, especially when it comes to our menstrual cycles and our fertility and our periods, especially, that's just not something that our culture has had embedded in it, maybe for a while now. Um, And I think that with the advent of understanding more about cycles as a vital sign, like how they're so important for for girls and women's health, right? They're actually a part of how your body was designed to be healthy and function. We have some new opportunities to rethink kind of the things that we've absorbed about our bodies, the way the things that society has maybe told us are negative. I think that's a challenge to, to regain some positive things to say about that and to be able to pass that on to our daughters. And I, it's really interesting. I think when I look at the conversation around like fertility awareness and just how that has shifted, even just in the last like 10, 12 years that I've been in ministry, um, whereas we, we talk about NFP and like postponing and achieving pregnancy, but to see the conversation kind of expanding because women are hungry for something better than birth control, um, they want to, they want to understand how their bodies work. And it's amazing to me, like how many women don't understand that or weren't given the opportunity and through no fault of their own, it just wasn't information that was given. And, you know, how many women were just handed a medication instead of, you know, just like really taking the time to get to, to understand like ovulation is a vital sign of health mm-hmm. um, and the signs and and things to work for to look for. Um, and then like you were saying, you know, how many of us grew up in environments where no one sat down with us to, to talk about, this is what is going to happen. And it's a wonderful thing. Um, I've heard horror stories. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. I've heard horror stories of women who were just kind of thrown a box of pads and tampons and 
said like, well, you know, just, you'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And that's so overwhelming. Like that's, that stresses me on just thinking about, you know, encountering that. So, you know, can you talk about how you're seeing body literacy education, helping women of all ages and stages? And I will talk about the, the preteen teen um, curriculum that you have, but I mean, even just looking at single women, I think that's a, that's a target audience for, for a lot of this, like even pre-marriage. How can, how can this help that particular group? Oh my goodness. Um, well, so I kind of want to maybe think about this, this concept of a lifelong body literacy model and like, what are the stages along the way or what are the pit stops along the way? So the way that I'm sort of articulating it is that we need to begin when we do our puberty education with girls, first of all, we need to shift away from this idea that like puberty education is the same as sex ed, because that is going to eclipse the major conversation we need to have to actually explain what's happening in our menstrual cycle, not just with the period, but like the whole thing. So we need to first give girls this idea of what I like to just call cycle awareness, that like the whole cycle, not just the period bleed functions, right? The entire time throughout your body. And it comes with these different phases and these different shifts in energy levels and moods and things like that. And that's normal and healthy. So when we start with that building block, then we can move into the teen years. Once girls do start cycling, we can say, okay, well, now that we understand that your cycle causes these kind of internal changes, um, how do we adapt to that? How do we, how do we use that information to either identify ovulation and to know where we are in the cycle or to just kind of make ourselves feel better By being able to name like, oh, I understand I'm in my luteal phase and that's why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling right now, it will pass in a few days, right? So there's this sort of, maybe empowerment isn't the right word, but this permission to move through these phases with grace and and with understanding. And then for single women, right, getting a little bit older, I see it as um, an invitation to take that knowledge one step deeper and say, now that I know myself in this intimate way, and I'm at peace with myself in this particular way, what can this mean for my relationship with God, my relationship with other people? And so all of these things are complete precursors to NFP, right? This is all what JP2 would call an experience of original solitude, coming to know and understand ourselves and to do that fundamental groundwork of self-knowledge and appreciation and love of God before we would think about a vocation that is, you know, turned outwards, right? Which is NFP, which would be religious life or anything like that. Um, So the way that I see body literacy is just being able to shape our understanding of, of who we are and to carry that with us through the entirety of life and then on to vocation later on. I really like what you said, um, and I hope I'm not like getting out of uh, out of our outline. But one of the things that you said is that, um, as, especially like starting our girls off earlier, is that not confusing this whole idea of like talking about our cycle with sex ed. And I think that's so important too, because uh, like you know, growing up, you're taught that your cycle, like I was taught, your cycle is that you're becoming a woman and preparing you for childbearing, <laughs> you know, and. So I didn't really feel like I could talk about those things, not because um, I wasn't invited to talk about those things. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not in childbearing. I'm not married. So I'm not going to do that. And um, Mm -hmm. I was just like, I don't, 
know how to talk about these things when it's something that's not that I'm not dealing with right now. And so um, mm-hmm. with a lot of girls, I guess, starting periods earlier, they might need to know what's going on with their bodies, but their minds aren't ready for the sex talk, right? Um, they're not ready for um, like the whole big picture of how different pieces work and fit together in God's plan, but they do need to know what's going on in their bodies. And I would say that that was my biggest hesitation on talking to my daughter is like, I don't know if I'm ready for this other piece. Um, and it's, but learning what it is like your body in and of itself, like what it's going through and learning that was just so helpful. And I think that that can be a big, maybe deterrent of really opening this up at younger ages is because like, oh, well, they may not be ready for this talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there doesn't come this idea of appreciation of our bodies and mm-hmm. um, uh, this confidence, this like, I know, I know what my body is doing and young girls are capable of knowing what their body is doing, even if they don't have a full idea of this other piece, but just like, I have confidence uh, and I'm not scared. I'm not scared of what my body's doing because I know what's going on. And even if what's going on is unpleasant, mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that understanding does empower. It gives confidence that can be carried throughout your, and that should be carried throughout your whole life. Mm-hmm. So this idea of lifelong body literacy is brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Mickey. Yeah. And we will talk more in depth about, you know, the the parent-daughter relationship and some of those parent programs, I think, in our next session. I don't um I don't want to skip over those, but I do want to kind of bring it back to what you said though, um, about you even feeling like you weren't ready to talk about these conversations or to learn these things for yourself because you weren't you weren't thinking about starting a family yet, right? And I think this is actually a big hang up in the church as well, because like a big push that I want to make is that that women in religious life, they desperately need this information too. They desperately need this information. They need permission to talk about their cycles. They need permission to really get answers from their doctors. And they they need better solutions than birth control, right? And 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 that's not some sort of like moral statement, right? But that's just like they deserve better treatment, right? Um, and so when we remove, or at least I don't want to remove, but just, just separate these ideas that like we can learn about our cycles without focusing primarily on the end of procreation, right? Then we can open up these meaningful conversations to women in all sorts of different avenues of life, right? Not just the single college women who may be looking at this from a health perspective or in preparation for marriage, but for our perpetually single women who still have to deal with cycles because it's a natural part of how God designed them to function. And they don't just like, cycles just don't disappear as soon as you make your final vows. It doesn't work that way. Um, And so I've been speaking with a number of religious sisters and just trying to get ideas from them about like, well, what are the things that they struggle with in the convent? Um, and, And how can we make their experience better in their bodies? That's awesome. That's awesome. So like getting practical. Um, so for someone who's like, okay, body literacy, like I missed the boat when I was a preteen teen. Um, I don't know how to get started. I know that I don't want to do the birth control route, but I just want to understand like how my body works. And I just want to affirm, like, if you are a woman in that stage, like 
praise God for that. Like this is a, it's a great gift. And um, so I, I love that we have like all of these fertility awareness resources and modern science and all of that. Um, but what would you recommend like for a woman who's like, okay, I'm not necessarily trying to postpone or achieve pregnancy. I just want to understand how my body works or what I should be looking for, or where do I get started? Cause I find that a lot of women are overwhelmed by the options that are out there and they're yeah. not really sure where to begin. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I'm allowed to selfishly make a plug, uh, I Absolutely. have a book that's called cycle charting for single women, and it is exclusively about learning how to identify ovulation in your cycle. So it's not a family planning method. It will not teach you calculations for fertility. It doesn't talk about fertility. It talks about ovulation as a healthy sign, the phases of your cycle, and then gives you reflection prompts as to, you know, how knowing this about your body might change your relationship with your body, with yourself, with God, with other people. Um, so that's kind of my like basic introductory text to just get started with charting and then see how it goes. That being said, not every woman wants to just pick up a book. Um, and it is worthwhile to get an instructor if you want to have somebody who will really tutor you and teach you on the finer points. So you could learn an NFP method, but just kind of filter out the aspects of like fertility and family planning. And so a really, really good method that's set up that way would be FEM. Um, they have an emphasis on health. And I think that's unique to the way that they approach a lot of things. I find that to be a very comfortable, like first step sort of method. Um, you can go in depth with other things, but uh, my my sort of recommendation would be to to find a method or to find an instructor who specifically understands your goals and will craft the materials to you and your situation with what you want to know. Nice. And I guess even backing up, you know, what are the type, what type of information can women expect to get from body literacy? Because sometimes I take, I take for granted that people realize this, that, you know, ovulation is a vital sign of health. And if you're not ovulating, you know, there is something else going on. Um, but can you give an example or, and I don't know if you have any stories or anything like that, but just an example of like, when we say body literacy gives you information, like what mm -hmm. type of information are we talking about and how could a woman use that to, to take that to her medical provider? Mm -hmm. At a very basic level, body literacy is going to allow you to, to pinpoint where ovulation is in your unique cycle. So even if women all have a 28-day cycle, which they don't, and that's normal and it's okay, but let's imagine that we had a world in which they do, you can ovulate on day 11, you can ovulate on day 17, right? Not everybody's ovulating exactly in the middle. And so what you can learn to understand is what's the relative balance of the different phases of my cycle, where is ovulation happening, and what might that tell me? Um, about why I'm experiencing certain certain symptoms or whatever. So there's there's that basic thing, which also tells you, am I ovulating? In which case you can say whether or not the bleeds that you're having are actual periods or are anovulatory bleeds that indicate some sort of hormone breakthrough that's a different sort of bleed. Also very important to understand. Um, but like anecdotally, I can tell you, like body literacy for me, um, I went into my neurologist. This is a few years ago. Okay. And I was having migraines, which for women, everybody assumes they're hormonal, right? 
like they have to be tied to your cycle. And so I went into this neurologist and he's like, okay, well, we're going to assume that they're tied to your cycle. We're going to try this one medication. We're going to do this, that, and the other. And I said, actually, I've been charting these along with my cycle. Like I've been charting my headaches and let me show you where they're happening in my cycle. And let me show you how they don't correspond to hormonal shifts. And this, this male doctor looks at this app and he goes, that's really cool. <laughs> he was like, you're, you're right. So he's like, okay, well, let's just scrap that other plan, right? Let's put you on a different thing. So right then and there, I saved probably six months of diagnostic time, right? A number, any number of expenses. And we were able to craft a plan that did not rely on this assumption that everything was hormonally based, right? So that's just one tiny little example, but there are plenty of things that are tied to the way that our hormones balance in our cycles. And so if you begin to understand the relationships of those things, then you can be much more empowered when you go into the doctor and you can say, yes, this is hormonally related or no, it appears that it's not. And that's a huge starting point for any doctor who's, who's has the ears to listen basically. No, I think that's so great. Like I know one of the things that used to floor me, like during, you know, certain times of my cycle is if I was acting different or if things were getting to me different or if I, and people were like, it's just hormonal. And I used to get livid, um, almost as of like, oh, she's in this like beast mode kind of woman, whatever. And everyone just stay away. And, and it was one of those things that, um, I guess I just didn't, I was like, well, maybe I'm just not handling my suffering. Well, maybe this is mm -hmm. just me not knowing how to be kind when I feel terrible <laughs> or not really knowing what's going on. And, um, to know that it's okay to say, yeah, it is. I am hormonal. And, but to also understand that at what points in your cycle that affects your moods, um, if you're feeling fatigued, um, mm -hmm. eating habits, your, oh, I mean, health in so many different areas. So to just know like, okay, well, um, based on these things, this hormone, it might be low, high, um, and this could be the things and here are ways that I can work towards, uh, mitigating those, those symptoms. I mean, it really is a matter of just empowering yourself to like, know what's going on and that it's not just some like, mind over matter thing, you know? And I think for me, that's what, that's what I struggle with. Like, well, I'm getting really mad that, that people are just talking this up to hormones, but I don't know what to do with it. But because I didn't have the knowledge of like, this is how all of these things are working in your body. And, and this is, there are things that you can do, um, to help. And I just didn't know that. And it's okay to be like, yeah, this is hormonal. And that's okay. And that's okay. Um, but to just feel empowered, to feel empowered, like, but I know exactly what's going on with me. And now I know how to care for myself better so I can care for the people around me better. Yeah. This is a topic that I feel like could launch me into like 10,000 different podcasts because exactly what you're saying that like learning how to respond, right? So maybe I have this knowledge, but like, what, what does that mean? Right. What does it mean that if, if I, if I get really moody before my period or something. So I'm writing a book right now with OSV, it's going to come out next year. And one of the chapters that I have is about this concept of like virtue building through your cycle, like learning how to recognize the time when certain virtues come very naturally to us at points in our cycle. And some virtues may be harder, like patience could be a big one. Right. And, and not taking that as an 
as an opportunity to excuse yourself from being a virtuous, holy, good person, but understanding why at certain times this is harder for me and what I can do to proactively work against that, right? What I can do to proactively try and boost my ability to be virtuous in this way. What are the strategies that I need to adopt in order to do that? So I could like geek out about that for forever. But um, I also wanted to say that um, like another sort of niche area that I've found myself is I have a daughter with diabetes, with type one diabetes now. And I was doing research about insulin resistance in the cycle. And I have found that I'm in all these parenting groups for people with diabetes and people are saying like, what is up with my daughter's cycle? Like, why is she insulin resistant in certain points, right? Why does she need more insulin? Why does she need these different dosages? And it's because actually we are more insulin resistant towards the end of our cycle in our luteal phase. And so I've been that person like chiming on and being like, okay, but like with your teenage daughter, just remember that not all of her bleeds are periods. And so the reason that you're seeing inconsistency is that she's not always insulin resistant before she has a bleed, right? And so learning how to chart your cycle and knowing which of these bleeds are anovulatory, which is normal for teens, and which of these are periods could make a big difference to your diabetes management, right? So like, I'm that weird person now. <laughs> but once you know these things, it just kind of snowballs, right? You, you see how this can be a huge application and how cycles are a vital sign and can impact so many of our health decisions as women. Man, I love it. I love it so much. To be continued, I guess. To be continued, right? Right. Like I also like to nerd out on these these things, but and I I will steal this from Emily Frazy from Fan Base and and Total Wine. But one of the things that Emily has said is, you know, when an artist is getting to know, um, or when like when you study an artist or their pieces of work, the more you study that piece of work, the better you get to understand the artist. And you understand like why they designed things the way that they did. And I think that's why I get so excited about fertility awareness stuff and body literacy and all of it. Cause it's not just, I feel like for so long, the church has been in this mode of like, well, NFP is for postponing and achieving pregnancy. But when we expand this conversation and we get to see all of the complexities and the beauty of the body, the male and the female body and combined fertility, but even just looking at how God designed our bodies as women and the complexities that are there and the knowledge that is possible. It's fascinating, like to see just like how good God is in all of that. Um, So yeah, to just like echo that throughout. And I love how you were talking about um, like original solitude that John Paul II talks about, like really getting to know oneself and how important this information is before marriage or before vocation discernment and carrying that all the way through. Um, and one of the things I wanted to make sure we we spent a few minutes on um, was perimenopause. I used to think of perimenopause being like, just like so far away, like <laughs> not even on the and you and I were talking, Christina, and you shocked me when you told me like when women should actually start educating themselves on, on perimenopause. So can you break that open for us? Oh, sure. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So Deanna and I were chatting and I said, well, basically any woman age 35 or older should start to learn about perimenopause. Um, 
Yes. Any woman 35 or older, not meaning that you're going to enter perimenopause right away, but with the understanding that just like we need, we need to educate our girls before their cycles start so that they know what to expect. They know what to look for, right? We need to do the same thing as women when it comes to the opposite end, because perimenopause can hit in, in your late thirties, in your early forties, you can start seeing all of these symptoms. And for women who are using natural family planning, um, to be caught off guard and to not understand why your body may be going through certain things or to have to try and play catch up can be very, very frustrating with your NFP method, right? It can be very disorienting. It can feel like, I don't know what to do. I'm back to square one. Now we have to like scramble and make all these changes. But if you actually prepare yourself, right, a couple of years in advance, before you would expect to start seeing changes, you can you can already make some adjustments or at least in your mind already know, what am I going to be looking for, right? What are the things that would tell me that my body is starting to do this so that I'm not surprised and that I'm not super anxious about it? Because as we said earlier, like knowing about things in advance helps you navigate with more positivity and helps you feel more prepared and better equipped and less anxious. We're all about female empowerment <laughs> in today's culture. So like all of this information is just really helpful. Um, could you give an example? Because like I said, like when you, when you explain that, like every woman over 35 should really kind of have this education on their radar. I was like, I am 37 years old. Like I might be behind on these things. I'm pregnant right now, but like what I know it's coming at some point. So what are the types of things like, you know, just to give an example of things that women might be looking out for or could learn how to keep on their radar as they're headed towards that stage? Yeah, that's a great question. Perimenopause is a time when there are a lot of possible symptoms and signs to look out for. But I think the one that's typically most surprising to women is we associate perimenopause and the process of menopause is like this gradual lengthening of cycles until they basically disappear. But one of the first things that you will notice with perimenopause is short cycles. Okay. So if you have an NFP method where you're not prepared to kind of absorb the hit of a short cycle, you're going to be caught off guard. And that's actually where we spend the first few years is kind of alternating between regular length cycles and then these shorter cycles. We don't hit longer cycles until we're further into the process. And so I think that one thing is enough to just make women go, oh, okay, this is not exactly what I was anticipating. Um, and so, and then you can couple that with, you know, changes in any of your cervical fluid or um, jumps up in ovulation at any point. So just having that on your radar, I, you know, I've been coaching a few women right now who are like, I'm not, I think I'm going to enter perimenopause in the next couple years. And for various reasons, we, we really need to try to, to postpone pregnancy. Um, so what can we do right now to make sure that when that short cycle comes, I'm prepared. So those are the sorts of things that, that you can already start thinking about so that you're not worrying unnecessarily when those things do happen. Well, I'm five years behind, so I need to get on the ball. <laughs> no, but I think that's great. Like just things that you're talking about. I had no idea that eventually my cycles could be longer. Like that thought in and of itself terrifies me. <laughs> But just the whole idea of like getting educated uh, about things that maybe I think I should have known by now. Um, but just like 
these are things that it's okay to have these forums to, to talk about it. And I think that that's why I love the fact that you're doing that and that we're having this conversation is it is permission to speak. It is permission to ask questions. It's permission to not be embarrassed if you don't know what's going on. Um, and it's also permission to be like, okay, well, what I'm going through looks different and this is how it's affecting me and being able to not like compare where we are as women with other women and like what's going on with all of these things that it, it's just for permission to be okay and to be confident and good with where you are as an individual and the things that are going on in, in your life. So, and as you said earlier, that doesn't make it easy, right? That doesn't necessarily make it easy but it means that we have tools and we're, we're equipped to, to navigate things. Um, and so, I mean, Deanna, do you want to plug some of the, the events? Cause we're going to be hosting a perimenopause event when I come yes, later this are. summer. Yes, we are. Yeah. I was just about to mention. So NFP week is coming up, um, not too far around the corner. So July is usually a time where we're focused a lot in the church on talking about things like fertility awareness and NFP and because of some very generous grant funding, we decided we were going to do like a marathon of events in July to really celebrate NFP week well this week, this, uh, this year. So there's two events in particular that I think will be really, um, really helpful, especially based on this conversation. So we're doing a body literacy workshop, um, for young adult single women on, July 27th at 7 p.m. We'll put all this information in the show notes. Um, registration should be open if I have my act together by the time this episode comes out. Um, and we'll give you locations and all of that. And then on Friday, July 28th, having um, like a, we can call it a mom's night out, women's night out, but we're going to talk about perimenopause. <laughs> like, and how often do you get to do that? So... <laughs> And we'll see, maybe we'll have like some wine or something like martinis and, and per perimenopause, who knows? We'll make <laughs> martinis it Martinis and menopause. <laughs> yes, martinis and menopause. It'll be great. Like trademark that. Um, but yeah, just an opportunity to learn from Christina, um, to hear about the resources that she has, the courses that she has. Um, so we're really excited to bring you to East Texas, Christina. I'm so excited to come. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Well, thank you so much. This is part one of our of our conversation. We knew that we were going to need more than one episode to go through everything, um, but we'll put Christina's information and her resources, the events that are coming up during NFP week um, in our diocese. Um, all of that will be in the show notes, but please stay tuned um, in another week or two. You'll have part two um, of this conversation. We're going to spend some time really talking about teaching our girls body literacy, because that does feel like a whole other challenge, especially in today's culture. And like we were talking about, like having that balance between or the or knowing the difference between body literacy and sex education and how to walk that well, especially as Catholic parents. So Christina, thank you again for, for taking the time. We're really blessed to, to get to talk to you. And thank you for all the wonderful work that you're doing. Thank you so much, ladies. 